Welcome to the Fandom Podcast. This is the show that brings together geeks and nerds from across the fandomverse to analyze the news and discuss your favorite TV, movies, comics, and books. This week, we are talking about Hulu's Marvel's The Runaways. But first, those two are the worst liars ever, especially that Nick English. Yep, pretty much. Ooh, that was a close call. I'm serious. I know. Do you think they suspected anything? <laughs> no, we are smooth operators. All right, and don't pick up the fisty guns. He's returning guest Andrew Dorowski. It's kind of a weird, like, linchpin moment for the entire future of the world, but whatever. <laughs> and you know what? I'm offended by a lot of things, but sometimes I have a point. I am Brandon Ushio. <laughs> All right, so this week we are talking about The Runaways, which is the Marvel property that is on Hulu. It's an episodic show, kind of like the Netflix shows, but it's not on Netflix. It's on Hulu. <laughs> And this show is pretty much about a group of teens that discover that their parents are supervillains in disguise, and they have to basically run away, hence the title Runaways. Uh, Wait, no, this isn't to... that movie from 20, 2010? Oh, I, I watched the wrong thing. I have, I Sorry, have guys, no idea so... what movie you're talking about. <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll be back in just a second. All right, all right. Quick, quick 10 episodes to go get, or 11, I guess, if you count. The first one is two. We'll because... be back in like nine hours. All right. All right. Well, so basically they, they, they are superheroes in and of themselves and uh, there are powers that show up at different points. And that's about all I can say without spoiling stuff. So uh, do you guys have anything you want to add before we go spoiler crazy? I'm, I'm ready to just like dive deep. So I feel like uh, Kristen Stewart was OK in this movie playing Joan Jett, but um, I think that it could have been better. <laughs> Was there was there a Runaways movie with Kristen Stewart? Yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? 2012, 2010, the movie? What? Oh, wait, yeah, no. Yeah, that, mu that must be it. Oh, I went... Uh, wait, I just watched something different. Oh, okay. Well, I'll be back in just a second. <laughs> All right. Nine All right, hours well. later. <laughs> I guess that's flashback, not flash forward. All right, yeah, so... Close enough. <laughs> Okay, so this uh, this this show, pretty much, I mean, there's not much more to say about it than a group of teens figure out that their parents are super villains, and they're kind of, they kind of freak out because they're like, what in the world's going on? There's two mysterious black pods, and one of them makes people disappear in a flash of light, and it's like, what in the world is this? And a lot of this is them trying to figure out what's going on. And the very first question that I wanted to talk about with, with this show is what kind of show is this? Because Marvel has this great formula where they take a superhero or a comic book show and then they pair it up with like another genre. Like Winter Soldier, you got your political action thriller. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you got your space opera slash comedy. Uh, and what, what would you guys say this one is? It's definitely in like the teen drama oeuvre. I mean, the, the, the showrunners are from like the OC and I think Gossip Girl. So that's like their wheelhouse. OK, so so you're saying it's like teen drama. So like would this if this wasn't on Hulu, would you say this would would fit on uh, CW? Uh, CW or wherever like Pretty Little Liars is. I don't like I don't I'm not familiar with these shows, but <laughs> this is where I would stick them. That's what he says. But really, if you go look at his DVR. <laughs> 
See, I was thinking that it, it's almost got like a just a little bit of a touch of like Veronica Marsiness in it, as well as like just having. I, I mean, I really do feel like it has a lot of Veronica Marsy, just with a little bit more teen drama. Even though Veronica Mars has a ton of teen, teen drama. Well, but, I think Veronica Mars was probably going for like that team drama plus film noir detective. Sure, stuff. and this one, and so so it's in that same area where it's like mixing teen drama with X. Well, absolutely, but like this one has that mystery element that you're trying to figure out through the entire arc, like what is really going on, mm-hmm. and that's and that's something that I I thought was very intriguing on the show. I mean, just really, yeah. Like, I mean, you but at the same time, this one. This is like leaning way more teen drama than, say, Buffy. Yeah. For, well, Buffy had a lot of teen drama. But I think that one was, that was sticking more towards action um, fantasy elements than this is sticking to superhero tropes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. The Watching the, the little sister pick up the SUV using superpowers that was kind of that was kind of superhero action trope to me, <laughs> but that's pretty limited. And like, if they're gonna do superheroes, you expect them to lean into it a little bit more. Like, they don't say supervillains; they don't say their parents are supervillains. They say their parents are serial killers. So they are like shying away in some degree from the superhero genre. Um, not in in a way necessarily that I think is diminishing to the superhero genre. The way some things are embarrassed to talk about superheroes, but it was kind of a slow burn on the superhero elements. Okay. You're right there. I mean, there were not tights and capes and all that fun stuff. Hey, you know uh, what? They get in their costumes in the end. You probably didn't. Yeah, know. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call those costumes as much as thrift store purchases, which was awesome. Like when, <laughs> yeah, like I was like, Oh, finally, like most of them are in their outfits. Like, yeah, anyway, but I don't even I don't even have any like specific outfits associated with the runaways You know, in the comics. Like, I, I don't think of a particular costume for these characters, it, which is which is, you know, characteristic of the runaway series in the comics. So I I can understand them adopting that into the TV series. Yeah, I mean, it was um, really easy to do. I mean, it was just like put a tank top on her yeah. with a star and have her yeah, wear like you a pick a certain style and, like yeah. like Carolina always looked like Carolina. From the comics, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how she would dress. Yeah, I think they did. But a it wasn't job the same outfit over and over again. Yeah, but right at the end, when they all go off into the sunset, there I mean, most of them are wearing like pretty much what's on the cover of the like first yeah, trade. Things yeah, things that you expect. Yeah, which I liked a lot. Okay, so I think I am the only one on this podcast who has not read the comic books. How, uh, is that is that correct? I've okay. definitely read them. Okay, and there's some of Nick's favorites, so I know he's read them. Um, so if so, as a non-comic book reader, would you guys recommend that I still go out and read the comic book that is associated with this? Absolutely, it's a great series. Yeah, and there's, did they get things right? Yeah, I think the, the I think the feel of it is there, like yeah. within both, but the story is a di- is different enough. Yeah, there's a lot of differences, but the feeling is is pretty good. Yeah, so if you like the way that like they just kind of discovered things on their own, like even in the comic, um, you don't learn a whole lot about the parents. Like they're always just kind of a mystery, and they're always the bad guy um, until later on. 
And so like that first story arc, it's just them like figuring out, like you don't really get much from the, from the parents other than like, Hey, Mm -hmm. we're trying to do this for you. And it's like, whatever. So the parents in the show definitely got a, a bigger role to play and more characterization. So you, you get like, these attitudes and these interactions and these comedy beats and, and really these story arcs with the parents in the show that you, that you don't really get at all in the comic. So that's a, that's a big difference. And I think it's really enjoyable in the show. I really liked seeing the parents in the show. I really liked uh, personally the first two episodes. So the pilot and the second episode, the first episode is basically what set them on this adventure from the kid's point of view. And then the second episode was how did this happen from the parents' point of view and what's going on? And I, I really enjoyed that because, you know, we've talked about this several times that every great villain is the hero of their own story. Uh, I, I feel like if they don't give the parents that much to do in the comic books, this might make them more of a, more of a three-dimensional character with like, you might understand their, the direction that they are coming from a little bit better. Now, granted, you know, the super, the super villain esque red robes thing, like most parents can't associate with, but it seems like a parent watching this might be able to be like, Oh yeah, I I can see how they are willing to do terrible things so that their children can have the things that they didn't have. Um, so, so if you guys said the parents didn't make that big of a role, do you, do you feel like they fleshed out the characters and like the characters actually made sense for the parents as well? Yeah, I I definitely do. And I think it really added something to the dynamic of the children to the parents, the the relationships that they were dealing with. Like I wasn't expecting in my in my mind, I wasn't expecting by like episode four, the heart of the show to be Chase reconciling with his abusive father to be impactful. But that's kind of what I was watching for in a number of episodes is like, well, no, get me back to like this relationship between a father and son. Well, and it, you know, it's James Marster, so you just want him on the yeah, screen and that, more. That could have had that could have had something to do with it because he's <laughs> he's pretty good on screen. He's a good actor. He's a good performer, and he's pretty charismatic. Uh, even when he's playing someone so awful, you're like, but no, I want to see where this is going. Right. So, I, you know, one of those things with Chase, and I think I think you mentioned kind of where I was going. Where what one of the things I was thinking about this, like I just felt for Chase when even after his dad was going to kill him. He was he was like I want to I want to try to make things work with dad, mm-hmm. and I was like holy cow this kid like I I feel for him and I I and you know it's any good son is going to try to make their parents happy, especially if you've if you're in that kind of relationship you don't know any better like he doesn't mm-hmm. have any other parents that he can compare his relationship to because those are the parents he's been dealt, and I don't know. It, I felt that was a that was an arc that that was really emotional. Like I feel like it could relate to a lot of people. I had a good dad. I can't relate to the genius dad neglecting me, yelling at me, and then trying to kill me. But <laughs> like I, I I felt I felt a little touched on that one. Um, well, I mean, ha- guys- I I know I know a lot of people that um, will have an abusive anything. I mean, abusive relationship, and I mean it is something that happens that you know they want to fix it a lot of the times like i mean that's that's a psychological thing like my dad grew up in an in an alcoholic home and when they took him away 
because, you know, his neighbor found out all he wanted to do was go back to his dad. Like all the time he was just saying, Hey, I want to go back to my dad, even though like his dad would leave for weeks at a time and never pay the phone bill. And my dad would go and have to go pay it, you know, the light bill and stuff with his paper out. Like, I mean, he was in this terrible situation, but he still wanted to go back to his dad because that was his dad. You know, he loved him. And it wasn't until his foster mom was just like, you need to realize that you're in a good situation here and you're screwing it up. Like you're acting out, you're doing all this stuff. They're going to take, take you away from me. And I'm the best thing that's happened to you because I love you and I'll take care of you. You go to another home and you know, they'll kick you to the curb, you know, and, and you I, know, like, so it, you know, and it wasn't think, until later that he, you know, kind of realized that and he was able to reconcile with his dad as well. Um, you know, before, before he died. But, um, yeah, I think that's a common thing. And I mean, it was powerful to me just because I have that story in my life. Um, and I mean, I never knew my grandpa, but, um, you know, I mean, it's definitely a part of my history. And so I thought that was powerful in my opinion. Yeah. And I I think the, uh, was something interesting that they did with the series because you're getting, um, you know, a, a bunch of different parent-child relationships and, and a bunch of different relationships between um, spouses and and kids being friends with each other and romantic relationships. You're, you're getting, you know, a, a, a ton of different relationships all throughout the series. And specifically dealing with, like, the parent-child relationships, you kind of have, starting out, a set of kids who think they have really good relationships with their parents and, and it seems, you know, on the face really good. And you have a couple of kids who have really negative relationships with their parents. And so chase and Nico have negative relationships with their parents. Um, chase and in his case, it's abusive in Nico's case, it's a, a really dominating mother. And then you have well, like, Alex has a pretty decent relationship with his parents. His, his dad, you know, can talk to him. Uh, Carolina has what seems like a good relationship with her mother. And then Gert is like, has a great relationship with her parents. And then when they find out what's happened, you have the three that had, um, and I won't talk about Molly because her parents aren't actually in play. It's kind of a different situation for her. Um, Yeah, but that's still something like, I mean, she doesn't have them. Yeah. So she's a, she has a a, a good relationship. with. She's adopted. Yeah. I mean, or Um, however you want to call it fostered. Yeah. And so when, when they find out that their parents have murdered someone, the, the three people that had good relationships with their parents turn really hard and start putting up barriers between their parents and it starts creating conflict. And the two that had bad relationships in the course of, you know, the adventure, they start actually resolving their relationships. And so like Chase is dealing with, you know, I have this terrible relationship with my father. I know he's terrible because he abuses me. He abuses my mother. He's neglectful. And, and physically abusive. And then he finds out that he's a murderer. And yet after that, he's starting to try and redeem his father more than before. And Nico, spending time working on projects. And- yeah. And, and it's, and somehow even after finding out that his father's worse than he ever thought, um, it's creating the opportunity for him to see a chance for, for like a good future. And Nico who had like this dominant mother who was controlling and, um, and just they butted heads a lot at some point because of them finding out that their parents are killers. She 
finds a bonding moment with her mom and it completely changes her perspective. And she doesn't want her mom to be a bad guy anymore. Whereas the ones who thought their parents were great. Suddenly, like Alex turns hard against his parents. Really hard. And I think a lot of people didn't expect. I mean, heck, even in the show, uh, his friends didn't expect it at the very end of the scene where, you know, Alex is talking to Nico about, would you call your parents? What, What do you think? And he and he disappears. And Nico's first thought is he went to go call his parents. Mm-hmm. And boy, did he not go to call his parents. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Yeah. And and like um, Gert is feels extremely betrayed by her parents. Yeah, it's almost like they were putting on a show or a front for her whole life. And she feels yeah. completely betrayed by the fact that, you know, they're such like, horrible it, it, people, but yet they're so happy and like loving mm-hmm. to her and how could they be that way if they really were that way and, and it's and, like she feels like it would have been better if they had treated her poorly and seemed like bad people and then she just found out that they were yeah. worse instead of thinking they were good people and found out that they were terrible like it's it's more portrayal because they seemed so good yeah and then you've got carolina who you, know, you you mentioned how she was she was close to her mom and then she turned but i find yeah. it really interesting that you know her dad she was she was also you're talking Close about him. Frank or yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Frank. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna call I'm gonna call him her dad because I mean and he I made the comment fair. he made the comment of it like, yeah, he may he may be the biological father, but I raised her. We'll call him the and donor and the father. <laughs> so you because I mean you got Frank and it was really interesting because she leaned harder onto Frank and turned away from her mother, uh Leslie, and then she and then partway through the story things flipped or at the very end of this season things flipped and all of a sudden her leaning on her dad is what's getting her into trouble and her mm-hmm. mom is there to bail her out and i i don't know i think i think that's really interesting to see the parent relationships that i mean that's something that i have a hard time with in most media especially media aimed at teenagers is they portray the parents as out of touch and stupid and and all sorts of negative connotations for no reason at all. And you know what? The, these parents are the bad guys. There's, there's no, there's no pussyfooting around that. They're the bad guys. But they gave them all plausible reasons, not good yeah, reasons. They gave them decent complexity. Right, right. And so you could, you could look at that and say, oh, I, I get how this is something that, how this is something that would drive these parents to do that. I, I get how a gangbanger from the streets would do these terrible things so that his child could grow up in a home that he has every luxury afforded to him. And I mean, it is not the right reason, but I could see how somebody would want to do that. I Uh, think um, another, another like strong element in the characterization of the parents is like, there's a lot of times in the show where you're like, these parents are the worst and dumbest at doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, like there's a couple sequences <laughs> yeah. like you guys just suck at doing this. Aren't you supposed to be good at this? How have you done this so successfully for so <laughs> long? Like you guys are, are screwing up all over the place and you can't stand each other. And you're like making fun of each other's food. Like you're so petty. Well, and I think that probably a lot of that comes from like, they all know they're doing the wrong thing and people get testy like and w- mm-hmm. with guilt people will start poking 
at things that they can poke at to try to make themselves feel better. And so, like, I feel like that was I mean, that's exactly how they would react. Like they weren't. So, so they're all dealing with the fact it's like we're all mass murderers, but like they make their own brie gross. Yeah. Like, I mean, they've got to try to <laughs> make themselves feel better. Why are you wearing Crocs? Crocs are the best, you know, like seriously. But yeah, like <laughs> it made the parents seem very real in some ways, yeah. just to see like the, this lack of competence and, and like just the social dysfunction that they had with each other. Well, it makes you wonder if like Jonah purposely found people that were like that, though, because those type of people are easier to manipulate into yeah going and they have internal a, conflict yeah. so they're not getting unite against him yeah so i mean i i I've, i really believe that he probably did a lot of that on purpose like i mean he he did his homework so well you and you saw that in the scene where they were uh gonna go put uh oh, victor into the pod mm-hmm. and uh he's just playing him like a fiddle a yeah, pretty, pretty much uh <laughs> But where so, he... so there's the two pods and Victor's going to go in one so he can be healed and they need to put someone in the other one and they're arguing about who's going to sacrifice. Right. Because right. Jonah they... says that Victor matters most. Right. And then at one point, Janet says, Janet says to says to them, well, really, it's kind of your fault talking to Jonah. And he's like, oh, please, that's not going to happen. Like he didn't even, he didn't he wasn't even nervous. He was just like, yeah, no, we we, we all know we all know that's not going to happen. And so uh, I, I think that goes to validate your point. Like he knew that he could control that group of people, that they they were not going to come up on a united front. Mm-hmm. So I I actually really enjoyed that episode, seeing just how bad their relationships with each other were. I mean, it really so, was a character study. Like, mm-hmm. and that's and that's it, what like a lot of this a show episode for them. Yeah, and and that's what a lot of the show really is. Is a lot of it is like really character driven because I'd say this is mostly character driven. Yeah. Like, I mean, the story itself is kind of just helping along it's sort the of a weird mystery. They did not have enough like clues and breadcrumbs to keep the mystery going for me. Yeah. So if we didn't like the characters, I don't think they would have gotten a second season. Right. Right. Well, and they didn't get this. They didn't get a ton of special effects. I think they blew the entire special effects budget on the dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, and that, a lot of that dinosaur is actually practical. Well, it's a yeah. lot of puppetry and that practical dinosaur costs a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, you, you looked at it, there wasn't it. I mean, this is, this is in theory, a superhero show. Uh, I was watching, I was watching some of this and my son walks up and he sees the opening crawl where it goes Marvel and he says, Oh, what superhero is this? And I'm like, is it really a superhero? Like, I mean, it's the runaways. And I told him it's about a group of teenagers who, who find out that their parents are super villains. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, he was like, I, I don't know this one. And I, th- yeah. I think a lot of people don't. So what I found interesting was that it's, it's very much a soap opera, especially yeah. the, especially the scenes with uh, the affair that was going on between Janet and Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to watch things flip so quickly and go from one extreme to the other, I, it reminded me of sitting down and watching my wife's soap opera with her. Like, the, just the, this is like, that would never happen in real life. I mean, you've got Robert, who is trying to convince Janet to go break it off with Victor and to shoot him if she needs to. And, you know, she's all, he's all like, I want, I want to be with you. 
And then he, and he's about to sacrifice his life for her. And then all of a sudden <laughs> she uh, flips the switch. Yeah. He's being you know, good at that time. Like, Totally an abusive relationship. Like, oh, well, he's being good right now, so I'm okay with it. Like, right, right, right. But then, you know, in, in with the pods, when Robert then goes and takes the takes the glove and tells everyone, I'm getting in here, and Tina doesn't let that happen, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden... Even though she knows she's being cheated on. She knows she's being cheated on. This is after the whole revelation happens. He hasn't been in the house. And, you know, they're working on, you know, he, and he's sacrificing his life for his mistress. And then all of a sudden she's like, no, I can't make this happen. And I, I, I can, I can get that. I could believe that. But then all of a sudden for him to be like, oh no, we're back together. And like, he tries to hold her hand and I'm all like, okay, so your allegiance is flipped that quickly. That, that just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's, that's the soap opera aspect of it. And I think by doing all of these different things, I mean, we've been talking about all of the different, you got your family drama, you got your soap opera, a little bit of superhero stuff. I think they are able to reach a whole lot more people than they would have if they had just done a family drama or if they had just done a teenage soap opera. Because, I mean, I made the joke about how, oh, you check Andrew's DVR and there's going to be pretty little liars on there. Hey, it's on mine. Well, right, right. But we, we've come to expect that from you, Nick. Uh, yeah, baby. At least your wife. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you'd be shunned for saying, yeah, I, I really liked Pretty Little Liars. But to say, oh, I like this superhero show, people are going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I get, I get it. Um, Jeff, you may notice that Jeff is not on the episode tonight. He said the first three and a half episodes were boring. He stopped and he didn't regret it. Um, now granted there was also something else that he didn't like, but let's, I mean, if, if you're watching this because you want a hardcore superhero show, like Jeff likes, boy, those yeah, first the, three and a half is, episodes You're not going to get this. You're not going to get the hallway fight from daredevil in this, in this show ever. <laughs> hey, you know what? I think old lace is probably going to do something pretty cool in season two. I'm, I mean, I'm but if you have to it. wait till season two <laughs> yeah. for it, then, oh, know. you know, that's just too much. And and Daredevil drops that in episode two. Yeah. I just wanted to see that dinosaur go tearing apart a, a scene of guards or something like that. I mean, come on. Just, is that too much to ask I for? Really, I really do feel like it it stopped before it should have. Like the end of it. Yeah, the, the finale is abrupt it's, at best. And it's very um, like anticlimactic in like every sense mm-hmm. of the word like there was like no resolution other than the fact that they just decided yeah finally we're going to leave yeah which is the end of issue one of the comic books the end of the very first like the very beginning of that of the, of the comic book is is when they actually run away and they say we're called the runaways yeah they, they come and, and this took 10 episodes to get there so it's like a different uh, approach to how it's going and so i was kind of expecting it to lean more towards the comic book and that the end of the first season would be kind of the end of the main first pride pride and joy of the comic yeah and that's not what i got at all which i'm not super disappointed in because i enjoyed the show but some some chunks of it were a little slow i can totally understand someone getting bored um especially in some sequences of it if if you're not invested in the characters to start with um, yeah. and they don't grab you, then yeah, by, by, you know, partway through episode three or four, you'll be like, yeah, I just, I don't care enough. 
<laughs> and that absolutely makes sense. Well, and a lot yeah. of that might come like stem from like me being invested in the characters might have come from the fact that I had read the comic and I was already really invested in these characters. And so I could pull I, from that. I know that's the case for me. Yeah. Like I could pull from that and say, okay, well, I know who Nico is and I know who, you know, all of these characters are. And, and so well, I, see, I'm, I'm gonna, willing to I'm stick through this. I'm going to disagree with you there because but, I've never read the comic and I was invested in the characters and I, I felt like I knew those characters. They, I mean, like you said, this entire season was a, was a, was a character study. It, we, we looked at each of the characters and who they are and what drives them and what is important to them. And to me, I, I really like that. I really like to be able to look at that. The nice thing about the, about the runaways is they don't have to develop the world because we have umpteen gazillion movies and <laughs> dozens of Netflix properties that are fleshing out this world and what's possible. Except in they this don't world. live in that world at all. Like they don't mention that world. They like that world is not their world. Okay. Well, it, as okay. much as, as, as much as it has Marvel's logo on it, this is not the, like they are not living in the same state where Tony Stark has his Malibu mansion. Well, right. But Tony Stark is Tony Stark is mostly in New York. But not well, in the first movie. Well, not in the first. Okay. He lives enough. in Malibu. Yeah, yeah, he does, but he's also not, uh, you know, most of in the fact, events, in none of his movies, in all of his movies, he's in his Malibu home. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think yeah, in in number three, that's the one that gets blown up. It's his home in California. That that does okay. So, but okay, so really, what I'm thinking then is, uh, it is tied mostly into the television universe. The uh, so maybe the maybe not the movies, although the maybe. the TV shows have said you know we're connected and they they do crossovers and like Agents of Shield, and they talk about the event in uh, they talk about the, the event Netflix in stuff. the Netflix properties. Yeah. Uh, if <clears> you <throat> notice in the you very don't get last, any mentions like you that. do you do, and, and I don't know if you caught do this. We? I, I'm assuming you didn't catch this. The very I last mean, if it's scene, that subtle. <laughs> the very last scene of the of the last episode. When they're walking down the alleyway, it kind of it pans, says earthquake's coming. It pans over the pans the over newspaper. a newspaper that says LA or is LA next? Earthquake watch is LA next. And to me, that very much felt like it was tying it into the New York um, Daredevil and Defenders and all of that. Because, you know, New York had that big earthquake that they were just saying was earthquakes, and now they're saying is is LA next? And oh my gosh, they're digging a giant pit. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I guess there's a viable option for that if you had watched Defenders, which I haven't. But I mean, they laid enough groundwork in the episode talking about um, Molly's parents and then being geologists and studying the seismic stuff. And it's like, hey, this is going to happen if we dig that hole. And really, I feel like it's self-contained enough to say it's like, no, this is just in this this own universe. They dug the hole. There's going to be a seismic event because they reached whatever is in the bottom of the hole. Right. Right. And, and I mean. That, and that's fine, but you can also tie that into you can use that to tie into the same Netflix properties, and it doesn't feel have like to be it's heavy pushing it. Well, so here's I, I feel like that's the best way to do it. I, I've I've said several times that one of my favorite uh, Marvel movies is Doctor Strange because of the way that it's a self-contained story that lives in that universe. Be, and hmm. and so I really like the fact that the Runaways are self-contained. But with a with a tiny little thread, you can tie it to the bigger stuff. 
So if you want to fanboy out about this universe, because let's face it, they are not going to crawl out of a tunnel and have Chris Evans there waiting for them. <laughs> well, and I think that that's also because it's on Hulu as well. Like if this was on right, Netflix, I, mean, I think that that would be way more obvious. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that there's probably some sort of clause sure there's right or stuff. something and rights. And so it's just like we can't literally say Tony Stark or blah, blah, blah or whatever. Like, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's the same way with like Netflix to the movies. Like, I mean, they don't ever really say Tony Stark. They just talk about the event and mm-hmm. stuff. And so I think that there's probably some of those limitations as well. So which which makes it tough to say, like, it's connected. I will say um, I, I think that out of all the all the TV Netflix or, or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. properties, uh, this one had some of the best meta uh, Easter eggs. Like they go to the Atlas Academy and Atlas Comics is a thing. And um, the coffee shop is called Timely. And that's what Marvel was before it was Marvel. Yeah. It was called Timely Comics. <laughs> yeah. So so some of the small shout outs like that or um, even even some meta stuff for Runaways, the the um, the car that Victor drives is called the Leapfrog. And that ties into some comic book stuff. And so in the meta narrative for for Marvel Comics, I felt like I got a good dose of. Uh, Easter eggs, but as far as connecting to the greater Marvel universe and superheroes and Iron Man, Captain America, those types of things, I felt it really lacked. Do you think they did that on purpose other than the fact that this is a Hulu property and not a Netflix property and not an MCU movie? Uh, um, I don't know if it was a limitation or if the showrunners just aren't invested in I, I, you know, the showrunners might have been invested. It's like we're telling this story and this is what we care about. And we're not really worried about connecting it. Um, I don't know what the directive was from from higher up than that. OK, because, so, what, you, know, what, you know, it could it could have happened on a lot of different levels. Yeah. One of the things that's been in the news lately is that on the CW, one of the way they one of the ways they are trying to protect themselves against superhero fatigue is by limiting themselves to four superhero shows at a given time. And that is why they explained that's why they uh, took a hiatus on Supergirl, put Legends of Tomorrow in there, and started up Black Lightning. Because they started Black Lightning, and so they had to do something with a with one of their other properties because they didn't want to burn people out. If you if, if we st- started to watch if we started to watch Runaways, and then all of a sudden felt like oh I have to go watch all of the Marvel movies and all of Agents of Shield. And all of the Netflix properties, they would have lost a lot of people who are like, I'm not I'm not getting into this. This is well, I mean, I I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or most of the Netflix stuff anyway. And, you know, I don't think anyone that's watching every season Daredevil feels the need to watch Defenders necessarily because I watched all of Daredevil and I didn't watch Defenders. You will be I'm I'm just going to say you'll be surprised at the end of the next at the end or at the beginning of the next Daredevil season then. Which, yeah, that might change things for me, but I don't know if there's people who, you know, are going to be put off from watching one show because it, it's suddenly too much of a chore. See that th- I think if they want to watch the show, they'll watch the show. And if they aren't going to watch the show, then they probably haven't watched several shows at this point. So then on the flip side, do you think there are people who are who are going to say, I am only going to watch the Captain America show movies, but I will not watch the Thor movies? Well, I think the movies is a different matter than the TV shows. See, I don't know that they are because it's all. But there's one also big definitely there's definitely universe. there are definitely people who 
have watched some of the movies and not others. I mean, there's a ton of people you, you can just look at like box office numbers and it's like, there's a lot of people that didn't see Ant-Man and you just know it. Or yeah. they waited until it was on Netflix. Is we Ant-Man? Did... Ant-Man hasn't been on Netflix. I thought it was. I think, I think it has. Yeah, I think it, yeah. Maybe it has been. It's a, I Maybe mean, I it's a Disney that. problem. Now, I, I think you guys are missing the most important way that we know that these are all connected. And that is because there is one person that has a cameo <laughs> who to. is the watcher of all of the things that happen in the universe. And he is driving a limo to watch on these little runaways as they're trying to, you know, figure out about their... We all know that Stan really Lee is the, ultimate, <laughs> is the ultimate watcher and he connects all things. So I was really glad to see him because in the Netflix properties, it's always just a matter of... Here is his picture in the police station or something like that. And on Hulu, he actually showed up to shoot a cameo. And I wonder if it has to do with filming locations. Like, I'm an old man. I don't want to fly to New York. But you know what? California, I live in California. So that's just a drive down the street. Or maybe he was just having a good week. Mm -hmm. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, his his health might not have been great when they were filming. I do know that he absolutely loves Runaways. Like, he has come on saying that this is a... Like it is one of his more favorite properties, and so it wouldn't hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if he said because he thought it was super original. Like he didn't come up with the idea, but he was just like, mm-hmm. "This is the type of stuff that Marvel does." And when this and when this um, series came out, it was completely different than what most comics were kind of pushing yeah. out. And it's, so it it's was one of the best original ideas to come out of Marvel in a very long time. Yeah, and it's yeah. And and even now it's just like well duh that's not that you know that's not original but you know people thought the same thing like Star Wars is now oh you know some people yeah, are like well we've seen a thousand <laughs> yeah we've seen a thousand space <laughs> movies it's because everyone's copying Star Wars but I mean Brian K Vaughn this was a very early you know run of him and he is now like one of the top he's a big deal yeah top writers in comics right now. And a lot of his series are some of the most successful. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he ain't no slouch. Well, and, and he's sought after in Hollywood, too. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to get a number one Brian K. Vaughn anything on a new series, like, I don't care if you're going to read it. Actually, it's probably better that you don't read it and just save it <laughs> and keep it because it's going to turn into a movie at some point, a movie or a TV show, because Brian K. Vaughn has those connections in the in the uh, Hollywood sphere as well. And so they like yeah, his stories. He, he is a popular guy. Yeah, I mean, he's almost almost as many of his things have been adapted as Millar. So and yeah, yeah. So if you ever get a chance to get a number one just of anything that he's done, just hold on to that. It, it, it'll be worth something. Um, let me ask a let me ask another question then. Uh, so in in this, we've talked about how the parents are the bad guys; they're the supervillains, and they're being led by Jonah. But are they mm-hmm. are they really the bad guys? Uh, because we or are they the victims as well? And if that if they're the victims, who is the bad guy? I mean, Jonah's like the bad guy, like like capital B bad guy. But we could also For sure. But but we but in the very last episode, he talks to father. I don't we're don't donor and father. I can't remember father's name, but they're sitting there and he's like, Frank. I'm Frank. Okay. So he's talking to him and he's like caressing the coffin pod thing. 
He's like, oh, well, when he mm-hmm. is summoned. So it almost, se- it almost seems like he has somebody else above him. Yeah, or maybe like it's Jonah a partner. Is, is... So I, I don't know if he is the biggest baddie. I, don't I mean, know. I don't think Jonah is, but I think he he is a full on like bad guy agent for whatever the the higher power is supposed to be. And and again, this 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 season didn't give us enough answers to the questions. Like ultimately, like it gives us practically no answers to any questions that we ever had in the entire season so far. Other than like, what are they actually trying to do? They're just digging a hole. But, yeah, it's like, we it's kind like, okay, of know what, that what are they doing at the site? Thing. Well, I guess they're digging a hole to get to something. A living thing that we don't know what it is yet. Yeah, like ultimately, like we do not have a lot of answers. <laughs> see, and I and the reason I ask this is because we see how the Yorks are trying so hard to run away from pride. And mm-hmm. then we see how uh, Jonah just lies to everybody and they all figure it out and feel betrayed. And we see how he's so willing to kill all of these people. And they all feel like they are, that they're trapped by the end of the season. They keep talking about how they, how they've been used and manipulated and can't, and they just need to get out. And I I don't know that, I don't know that Jonah is the ultimate bad guy either because he is, he just the way that he acts there. He's, there's a little too much bravado for, for me for somebody yeah. who's actually controlling things uh I yeah mean, i don't think he i don't think he is the the end all of the series but um he's what we have right now and he's definitely like manipulating weaker people to do many more bad things so you know i i don't think he's he's certainly not as redeemable as the parents are supposed to be in the series if that makes sense and that does that that does so so do you think there will ever be a chance where we are going to get rid the redemption arc of any of the parents i think we're supposed to at least believe in that possibility by the end i mean at the beginning of the season towards and versus the end of the season they've definitely created like you said a, a victimhood for the parents like they are victims of jonah's manipulations at least to a degree and so you want to have some sympathy for them and hope that there is of redemption that's possible and i don't know what form that would take necessarily and i could reference the you know the the comic book and and things like that and talk about you know whether or not redemption is a viable option based on that but i mean certainly by the last episode there's so much stuff in the comics that i'm like do you think they're gonna do this (laughs) and i don't know if i want to talk about it like yeah i don't don't Um, know like and by the last episode i think they're supposed to have set it up so it's like hey are they as bad as they seem or are they maybe going to be okay? Maybe they're changing and, and uh, you know, it's also setting up. It's like, well, maybe they don't have to change that much because they're victims here. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, but they like, they killed a bunch of people yeah, and they've done over, a lot of bad over stuff. The course so of so like how much 10, redemption? 20 years. Like, I mean, it's not, yeah, just it's like, like, it's like they have built bad lives. And so how much redemption do I actually want them to be capable of? They killed younglings. I mean, seriously. So let me ask. So let me ask you this then, because the so these parents collectively killed. I want to say they said it was like fifteen, sixteen runaway youths. Yeah, that which should be about right. About one a year at about the same time is kind of what they made it sound like when they were talking to. I'm going to call him Yawn because of his coffee cup. Um, oh, 
like they're like don't you didn't don't you notice that they're le- that these people are all disappearing at this about the same time of year and uh so there's about 15 16 versus the and i can't remember his name in the in, i can't remember his name at all but the the guy who is trying to take the the neighborhood back from the wilders the gangbanger like the bat, darius the darius thank you yeah, yeah. So, darius so darius is there he's probably killed a lot more than 15 people in his time as, as well and how many people do you think jeffrey has killed outside you know from well, his gang and, activities and, and, before and, prison and, and that's po- and that's possible and he was in prison for killing someone yeah so i mean it's it's not beyond him but you, alex alex goes to uh goes to darius and says hey the enemy of my enemy is my friend it's like, well, we're good friends then. High yeah, five. and and so he decides, you know, we're okay, so we're going to be good friends. But if that's the case, if the real bad guy so far is Jonah, do you think? And I'm the only one who can make this speculation because I've never read the comics. I feel like in season two, it, that one of the story arcs is they will have to team up with their parents to stop Jonah. That there is something that they will have to work on with their parents. Uh, because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I feel like that's a Chekhov's gun that was put on the shelf that they are going to have to resolve in season two. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's they're going to fill up the hole or if the, you know, whatever's going to get out and then start terrorizing things and they have to do that. Let me ask you a question as some people who have read the comics. Do the parents have superpowers? Um, oh. generally in the, in the comics. Yes. Okay. So that we may, we may see things that, that, I mean, they have superpowers in the same way that like they all have advanced skills and abilities in the series. Right. Yeah. Just in a, in a more comic book superhero sense. Okay. Because that, so that is one thing. I mean, obviously you've got Jonah and Carolina who have superpower superpowers, like like powers powers yeah and and it's like okay there you go and then you've got and then you've got molly uh, molly who's got super strength has has powers powers yeah uh i felt like they were going and maybe this is in the comics maybe it's not i felt like alex was gonna be some kind of technopathic person where he could basically Um, get technology to do what he wants the funny thing about it is 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 he doesn't ever have powers yeah, he doesn't have like powers. Powers. He's just really he, smart. At, but he, he, yeah, he's he's like a, a super genius. He's a, it's he's kind of guy like Tony the Stark. His brains are his superpowers. Yeah, yeah. and he and um, and I mean he actually in appears like a, in comics not like, like a, a building lot. stuff way, but in like a coding way. Okay, yeah, he's a he's a hacker like, and okay. he always he's always that, which is which um, is kind of funny because he's kind of the leader too, like, and so it's kind of cool that the leader of the ragtag groups or whatever like doesn't he, doesn't have he doesn't have any powers like, <laughs> powers right he's just smart and understands what's going on yeah he he can't win a fight but let, let's say all of them are all of them are smart though because i mean chase he's a different kind of smart but they definitely set it up in this season to show just how smart i mean what other high school kid is working with his dad to make time whatever it is uh but the fistigons yeah well the fistigons and you know his dad explained how his time, the time TV worked and he was like oh yeah I, this makes sense and this makes sense and that's actually a, a deviation from the comics like chase isn't like smart smart like that in the comics he kind of has a knack for his family's technology 
Yeah. But that's about it. He's like, I've seen I've seen this technology enough that I kind of get how it works. He's not like inventing weaponry for the okay. most part. He's he's more so that, just that like was the kind surfer of a big dude. change. Yeah, like yeah, okay, he so, is he is the token jock that just kind of yeah. So they they yeah. tweaked that element of his character. Because here's the thing that I'm that I'm not seeing how this is going to work in season two. Yes, they're running away. Yes, they're going off the grids. Yes, their mom said that they were, Alex's mom said they were going to be too smart to use their credit cards and their phone. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they're just teenagers. And they don't have most of their stuff. Like Nico doesn't have the staff. Right. Gert doesn't have old lace with her. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she she does. They have like they have two superpowers. Well, I yeah, like old lace is definitely around, but Old Lace you know, followed followed her in the dumpster. And she yeah, had to figure they, out a way to pull her Oh yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. She's there at the at the finale. Yeah, which I don't even know why they bothered to have that goodbye sequence then. But anyway, you know, like <laughs> they are at like half strength at best. Yeah. So I mean, here's the thing: they now that they are America's most wanted, quote unquote, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me that they can take on Jonah and their parents and run from the law all at the same time. Well, that's definitely not going to all happen in episode one of season two. They're not going to resolve anything in episode one. Well, right. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a whole the season to season. get up to it. Maybe. They, they, they have to find some way to take down to take down Jonah, even if it's they take down Jonah and oh, in taking him down, they bring out the next big bad guy like every Power Rangers season ever. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 they, there's, to me, they have to they have to reunite with their parents and work with them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have spent multiple episodes uh, working on having their parents be redeemable. And because otherwise, this story just doesn't work. Uh, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know because you guys have read it. I don't know if you feel comfortable. Do you, do you think, Brandon, would you be satisfied if they do team up with their parents and stop Jonah do you think that counts as redemption for their parents? I mean, you talked about like the we'll deal with like the Yorks specifically Gert's parents, because you talked about how much they want to run away from the pride and they can want to run away and try to run away from the pride, however much they want, but they've still contributed to a lot of bad. So like, do you think them teaming up with the kids and taking down Jonah is redemption or like, do they still need to go to jail for murder? Hmm, That's a good question. So I, you know, and, and I, I'm taking like the I'm taking the the Yorks is because they seem to have the biggest like we want out, and they seem to have the the biggest like guilt. Well, and they're um, the most redeemable. Them. They and they're also the most likable. <laughs> I think they're the most likable because you get the flashback to Molly's parents, and Molly's parents, who seem like at least in the video, are actively working to try to stop Pride. Oh, I think Molly's parents were 100% out. And I don't think Molly's parents um, are dealing with like the same guilt that these other ones are because they tried to get out years before. They tried to get out out because they found out something like they were in and then they tried to get out once they found out what was really going on. Yeah. So maybe they are in a different category. You're right. Um, Or or they're closer to the, the main pride than... Than I was really considering. Yeah, because so so Molly's parents tried to get or were basically out. They they're played up as the only ones who who were not going to fall to 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 pride basically, and so they were killed mm-hmm. for that. And the people that they call right before they die are not mm-hmm. uh, 
are, are, it's not Alex's parents. It's not any of these other people. It is the Yorks. Mm-hmm. And the Yorks are the ones, it leads me to believe that they are like, okay, these are the most, these are the people that are most likely to be redeemed. However, they do point out that obviously Molly's parents didn't trust them ultimately because they didn't give the Yorks the key to the locker. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think they're yeah. redeemed yet, but I think they're still redeemable. Well, and one thing that, and I don't know if this is you know, like a personal stake in, in the, in people's character and the redemption process and things like that. But it's, to me, it almost seems like the Yorks is because they are still going along, but trying to keep, you know, trying to say it's like, well, we're not really going along, but they're, I mean, they're as guilty as any of them of participating in the murder. Oh yeah. They're, they're um, completely even, as guilty as any of them. And, and, but because they're trying to say, it's like, but we don't really want to be doing this. It's like, well, does that make you worse for going along with something? Even when you are trying to tell yourself constantly that it's wrong, as opposed to someone like um, Nico's mom, who for the most part, until some parts at the end of the season, it seems to be all in and and can has conviction um in her actions is it different for ones who were lacking that conviction but still going along with murder versus someone who is now actually having a change of heart and turning away from the murder see i think i think if the yorks could have gotten out they would have what i think they were most concerned about were uh, gert and molly i feel like they were staying in to protect them and mm-hmm. because they were they were they had a plan and they were about to leave at one point. But is doing a bad thing for a good reason enough? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dramatic pause. <laughs> well, you got to take a look at so the, I mean when we did our naughty and nice Santa Claus list, Nick and Jeff summed it up pretty good. You take a look at the mm-hmm. look at the cards that they were dealt in life. And then you see what they did with them. And Mm -hmm. I feel like they were in the middle of playing their hand when everything hit the fan. And so they were in the process of playing their cards to get out of the situation. So, Mm -hmm. no, they're not redeemed. No, they are not innocent. But they're trying to be they're trying to get away from it versus versus uh, the Wilders who are just so all in it and just don't even care or and I, I think um, I think I'm more ready to see someone like um, Nico's mom redeemed because I think Nico's mom is actually having a change of heart. Whereas I feel like the Yorks have been lying to themselves. OK, I, and, I can see and that. so that they could deceive themselves, even if they like if they were to like get redemption in their own eyes they would be deceiving themselves about it instead of actually like going all in. And I feel like, like Nico's mom, if Nico's mom turns, then it's, you know, a full on change of heart and Gert's parents, not so much um, because they're like, well, our heart's not really in this. We're just doing this thing, but we don't actually like want to. Whereas Nico's mom was wanting to participate in all of this. And then if she turns it's because she really wants to turn away from it. She had that epiphany and she realized, oh, this, they killed my daughter and now they're chasing down my other daughter and I can never mm-hmm. have that. I can never have that back. And to I feel epiphany. like that's kind of the same with, um, with Leslie. 
like those two were like the most committed to the pride's actions, I think. And seeing them start to like feel like that's going sour and turn away, I think is more powerful than like the Yorks's who tried to run away and tried to escape and tried to go hide Molly. And it's like, yeah, but you guys are like trying to think that you're doing a good thing and you're trying to like make yourselves feel not guilty. You're not actually trying to make things right. Okay. So let me ask this, this other question then with, cause I, I think that's, I think that's fairly, fairly good or, or a fairly straightforward point. Um, so one of, one of the, the other reason that Jeff decided that he, he was done with the show that he wasn't going to watch it is as he was watching it, you've got the scene where Caroline is at the party and she, you know, drinks a little bit and takes off her bracelet and starts glowing and, and basically is she's drugged and then they're about to date rape her. And then Chase mm-hmm. rushes in to, uh, to stop that happening. And he was basically punished for the rest of the series for not letting that rape happen. Like mm-hmm. I get personally, I get what they were trying to show. I get that they were trying to show that the, the you know, the world out there is terrible and terrible things happen. And here are these people and here are their redeeming qualities because they don't get that. And sometimes redeeming qualities, you know, sometimes you do the right thing and you get punished for it anyway. That's what they, I, that's what I feel that, like they were trying to show. Well, and I but, also think that they were also trying to show that he was part of a world that he thought was great. And then but, he was leaving but, that world. It was yeah, like, hey, he's, he's this like, is, no, that's way out of line. This was my world, and these were the people that I thought was awesome and cool, and now they've done something that is just beyond what I feel is right. And so he doesn't even care that they're ostracizing him because he doesn't even want to be a part of it. But like do, he, do you feel you that know? glorifies that basically glorifies the date rape? Like there, I, I could see, I could see that being, I, I could see that being a way like normalizing date rape oh this happens everywhere and the jocks are always like this do you, do you feel well, they I, made the point with the right I, action i i think i see what you're saying like the the perpetrators didn't receive punishment and and that's not satisfactorily resolved i think it's unfortunately a more or less accurate representation as we're finding out more and more as more and more people come forward and tell their stories about things like that where people have done those things and nothing happens to them. Like they are not punished. They are not called to answer for their actions. And I don't think it was glorifying it. I think it was, was it maybe probably handled relatively? I don't think so. I think it was, I don't think it, I don't think it's normalizing it because it didn't say that it was right for them not to um, be punished. It, it wasn't saying that it was right for them to do what they did or that the system was right. It like, it was always saying it's like the system screwed up and it's bad. And unfortunately that's the world that in this show, the characters are living in. Um, however close that may be to the actual world. And I think it also gives us resolve to like, make it not normal. Like if yeah. we were in that situation or if we know of a situation like that, that is so unsettling that now we might take action if it really happened. 
right? Like if if it if everything always gets resolved all the time and everything and we never have that unsettling feeling, then we you know, there are people in the world that would not take action because they're like, oh, well, somebody else can take care of it, you know? And so maybe, or hopefully in this case, it could act as a, you know, a jump start to somebody else, you know, and it's a horrible way for it to happen. But, you know, I, I feel like that accurately demonstrated that the world sucks <laughs> and the only people that are going to change it is you. You can't let other people do it. And whether or not yeah, you choose to do You have to, to take that. action to positively change yeah, the world. And, and in this case, Chase decides to do it by stopping his parents instead of a bunch of stupid kids who tried to rape and unsuccessfully did so because he saved her. So maybe he, he, he was okay with that. Like, I mean, he was like, well, they didn't get it done. I saved her. You know, that's the action that I took because he took action. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was enough of a resolution, uh, you know, resolution for him. But, um, but then, you know, us being on the outside, we say, no, you're not done. Like, you know, you, like you need to turn those people in. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, I mean, he's kind of got some other stuff on his mind. And so I, you know, I don't know, like it, it's, I, I totally get it too. And when Jeff brought it up, I was like, whoa, like, yeah, I get it, dude. Like, you know, but like, I kind of live in a different world. Um, but I mean, it, and it kind of shows um, a softer side to Jeff, which I, I like because, you know, sometimes <laughs> he's a little crusty on the outside. <laughs> Do you think that this show would be filmed differently if they had filmed these scenes before uh, or after, uh, what was it, about mid-October when the Me Too movement started? Yeah, I think I think that would have been um, a little bit different. There would have been discussion, um, especially from a character like Gert, about vocalizing what had happened and um, and some solidarity about that. It, it, I mean, in the course of the show, it doesn't get brought back up. Well, there is um, one time. There is one time that Carl like, 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 yeah, like I didn't a couple remember of times. it. Yeah, like she's like, yeah, I didn't there, remember it, what it's happened. It's once or twice, but it's yeah. not really a big part of it. And I think... And who's um, not to say that in, it won't be in season two? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a completely different climate from when they made it to six months after they made this series. And they can't, they can't change that, even though the episodes are airing in a different climate from when they were filmed. Um, and the stories were written in a different climate, uh, a different social climate. So I think... It would be different, um, but that's the case with everything always. Wait, they can always weed in the show and take the mustache out. <laughs> It'll yeah, just they be can, released later. They can always later. do editing. They, they, could, they could have done some reshoots. I don't know what the budget looked like. I don't know how, how tight the timetable was. Uh, but there, there were things they could have done, I feel, because the show didn't air until November, and Me Too started in October. And so, I mean, I mean but like is, it started. But that is it rough started too. Like that is that is that is a tight time time. Yeah, frame. Like yeah, I, that's a tight time frame. And it it. I mean, it started in October. It it. I mean, and now we're in January. In the last two months, it's stronger than it was in November. Right. Right. So even if they had wanted to make a change, they probably weren't under the same pressure that they would be now for for that sequence. You know, and. I remember, you know, watching that that episode and that sequence sounds like this is kind of dicey, but I think they 
I, I don't think they moved into a territory that um, put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, but I totally understand anyone who, who got the bad taste. Um, well, and especially because sequence. he wasn't invested in the characters too. I mean, he said, I don't like any of these characters. So like that could have been a redeeming quality for the characters mm-hmm. in his mind. So, so I, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I totally get it. And, and, you know, if if you don't enjoy watching a show, don't don't watch the show. There's plenty of shows to watch. So, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't I certainly don't begrudge someone not watching through the series if they got to a part and they're like, yeah, this tone did not work for me. I felt like it was pushing X, Y, Z and and, you know, feeling that way is 100 percent valid See, um, whether I, or not it was intended as as X, Y, Z. I think it's uh, I, I think it's easier for me to step back and take a take a breath and give this show a little bit of leeway because of the way that the social commentary is on all of the other things. I mean, you've got Gert. And I don't know how true to the comic they were with this, but you've got Gert who's well, always there's been a whole nother wave of feminism since the comic came out. And so Gert is pushing into a different wave of feminism. Right. Right. And, you know, she's always talking about heteronormative uh, roles and how they and how things play into that. I, I had a friend point out to me that we even use gender to describe scents, like smells, which I I, I had never even dis- even thought about that. Uh, and so I I can see how you know you you've got a character like Gert, and she is talking about a lot of stuff like that. Uh, I really liked. I used it as my intro, the line that Chase said. Uh, when his mom was all asking him things, oh yeah, we're all going to go to the dance together and, or with Gert or something like that. And his mom, his mom was like, oh, you and Gert, huh? And he's like, that's so heteronormative. And and then he said, (laughs) then he said to the, to the effect of, you know, Gert gets offended over a lot of things, but every once in a while she has a point. And I feel like at that moment too, that he was kind of starting to like her. Right, right. He was starting to realize, mm-hmm, you know, oh, oh, she's she's been he, there. He was he was getting on board with her thinking. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you know, so 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 the show kind of does point out because you know what, there are in the social climate today, we have a lot of people who get offended over the dumbest things in some people's minds, and so yeah, well, and like they, they they're you know in the show they're being conscious about dealing with. Um, gender stuff and sexuality stuff and also race stuff in, in a number of ways. Like in one of the episodes towards the end, they talk about, are we going to run away to Arizona? And Molly says like, does Arizona like Brown people? Yeah. I don't think so because she's, (laughs) she's Hispanic. She's, she's Latina. And so like they're dealing with a lot of stuff and it's like, Hey, you know, we have a cast of characters who have different racial like needs you know, uh, about where they're going to feel comfortable or um, gender specific needs about how they can express their sexuality or, you know, a, a whole range of things. And I really liked how they and, took uh, people who the, everybody's at a different point in their understanding of, you know, I, I guess the colloquial term is woke. They've got a different they're They're <laughs> all a different level of woke. And you get you, about different about things. different things. And you start out with Chase, who is just this dumb lacrosse player, which I, he, he's probably the least woke. Yeah, exactly. But by the end of it, he starts to understand. And it's because, you know, Gert's always saying, oh, this and that and this and that. But she's always still nice to him because she likes him. And so 
Well, she's not always nice to him. Well, Sometimes she's you, you, she's not. You know, and she did, she did she's call being the passive aggressive. I like him, but don't. Right, but mm-hmm. she, but she's never outright hostile towards him. She never calls. Yeah, for the most. You know, part. she never she never tries to make him feel dumb. She might call him dumb, but like she said, that was a defense mechanism. And mm-hmm. uh, I I don't know. I I really liked that that line where. You know what? People get offended. A lot of people get offended over a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that they're not right some of the times. And and that is a good line to have Chase say as the only straight white male character. Yes. Um in in the in the runaways. The parents is a different matter, but you know, they're dealing with um you know, a, a range of characteristics and they've managed to to narrow it down to only one straight white cisgender male right and i okay so i gotta tell you i i don't know if it's because i'm a straight man or if it's because i'm just oblivious to things but like the whole all of the little uh lead up to carolina liking uh nico i did not see that when that when they when they did that i didn't it just didn't register for me and that's interesting (laughs) i don't know if if i was cognizant of it because of things in the comics and and knowing um you know some of the character traits or if i would have picked up on it otherwise and and i can't say well as soon as, um, soon, as, soon as it was first too kiss happened and like they as soon as they started talking about it more openly i was like all of a sudden it started clicking to me like oh okay i'm just a little <laughs> dense right now like as soon as and like like you said, I didn't know about it from the comics. And that was going to be my next question. Like, were they this socially aware in the comic books as well? I mean, in the comics, well, so like they, they weren't. Molly is white in the comics. Yeah, I mean, she's got. So she's they were behind the curve skin, even, like, even 10 yeah, years ago. Yeah, that would. I mean, her name's Molly Hayes instead of Molly Hernandez. Hernandez yeah. So they, they changed some things yeah, to, to make it true. like. A little more, conscious. and she's also so a even lot 10 younger. Years ago, she's a lot younger in the yeah, comic too. E- like, even ten years ago, having like a mostly female cast, not good enough. <laughs> you, like, we need to pick up the pace and get like better racial diversity, and you know, get representation changed I mean, up. Even, even old more. lace is a girl, um, so, so I mean, there's a lot of estrogen in this. I team. mean, they do, they do, they do introduce um, uh, a Hispanic uh, character later. Um, who becomes part of the team, but you know, it even just 10 years ago, like the social awareness isn't what it was today. And even 10 years ago with a team that's like mostly female and not all straight and not all white, it's still not diverse enough for what's actually representative. (laughs) Yeah. Like 10 years ago is like, Hey, that's pretty forward thinking. It's like, it's mostly women. They're not all white. They're not all straight. This is pretty good. Like nice representation. And the one you and think you is going to be a lesbian you, you, is not. <laughs> and then you get to the show and they say, it's like, sorry guys, we have to ramp it up. Like awareness. So we got to be like socially diverse in, in a whole nother way. And, and so they, you know, they bring that in. And it would have been very and easy think, for them to overdo it, but I don't feel that yeah, they did. I think they balanced it yeah. out well and still represented the, the comic book. Well, so, you know, they did a little adjustments here and there and, made it appropriate for, you know, I think what the comic book probably would have tried to be um, if it had been written at the same time this show was being made. Yeah, they did. Instead of 10 years ago. Yeah, they definitely well, didn't pull a glee on us. So the, like they did a good job on it. Yeah, the 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 comic was forward thinking, but it 
I mean, they had to be even more forward thinking. Right. I, I, I had a chance to talk with Wills Portacio uh, a couple years ago now about how he created the character Bishop in the X-Men comics. And, you know, I asked him, well, you know, what's that like? Because you were the writer and the artist. And he basically said, well, I went to Marvel and I said, I want to add a new character named Bishop who's going to have these abilities. And this is the story arc that I want to do. And they basically said, great. We love it all except make him black. Because back then that was how you were diverse. You added black characters to your to your team. Mm-hmm. And so editorial, I can completely see editorial being like, you know what? We love this screenplay adaptation of The Runaways. Let's make this character Latina. And, you know, I mean, editorial is, I mean, that's their job. Their job is to make sure that it's relevant mm-hmm. for the day still. So I, yeah, I was. And sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, and I think we're really aware of the times that they're not because sometimes it feels like they're pushing it down, down your throat. And and mm-hmm. and maybe not pushing it down your throat, but trying to be like, hey guys, look look how good we are. Hey, hey we we totally get you because here's here's all of these things. But in this one, it really felt like they honestly just, I mean, they were characters first, and then they thought to themselves, okay, how would this character act in this situation? Like Molly's comment about Arizona and brown people. You know, mm-hmm. Molly was yes, Molly Hernandez, but that did not change who Molly was. I'm assuming because she's not defined by her race. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I think, especially with Molly, it was kind of an interesting scenario where the, like her family situation was, she was, you know, being raised by Gert's parents who aren't Hispanic or, or Latino, you know, they're, it's a different dynamic, but they also made a point, like they are trying to be socially conscious and they learned Spanish so that she could keep speaking Spanish and and have that part of her identity fostered and then she still had like she still had family that she could relate to um outside of them and it, you know like an interesting dynamic was brought into the show um with things like that and i think it was generally well done i didn't really have any trouble with it and a, a part of that is a lot of the writers and directors were generally more diverse than than the standard they had a lot of female and and racially diverse um, writers and directors on the show. Well, and, the, and so you get different different perspectives and different takes and things that people never would have thought about. So, I mean, diversity does pay off mm-hmm. in the end. Um, okay, so here is my very last question, and this kind of overarches into pretty much any story. I was watching a a drama with my wife last night that had nothing to do with superheroes, but I always think about it as a superhero trope. The heroes can never be happy. Like you think, I mean, you get the term fridging a character because Green Lantern can't be happy. And it seems like every time that a character gets something that they are happy about, it's ripped away from them. Uh, And the same held true on this show. Why do you think that as people watching stories, we want to see other people's misery? Why can we, why can they never be happy? Well, because then their story will be over. Happily ever after. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's what okay. I would say. I mean, I, I would just say that that a a story where somebody is happy in the end is the end. And so if you want to continue on, then there has to be conflict. All right. So it's, it's that resolution. What do you think, Andrew? I, 
I mean, I don't know if I'm completely on board with like the heroes are always unhappy because I really like a good Superman comic and Superman isn't generally in the comics, at least never mind the movies right now (laughs) Um, portrayed as a brooding, unhappy, conflicted person. He finds a lot of satisfaction in the people he helps and he finds a lot of joy in that. And like, there's a lot of, even if Superman's not necessarily smiling, he's still hopeful. Yeah. But the reason that he's doing it is because he lost his own, his own planet. And so there's always conflict that the fact that he is the last survivor or, you know, last or think about how many times has Lois Lane uh, been kidnapped or, but he doesn't, he doesn't brood. He like, I mean the current Superman comic I really enjoy and he has a family, like he has Lois as his wife and he has a son and he does family stuff and he's, he's cheerful about it. And he comes home late from being Superman and he comes home and, and he's like, I'm just happy to be home with my family and my family's important. And they go to the County fair and they have a great time and he smiles a lot. And so, you know, I don't know if it's impossible for heroes to be happy. I know there's a lot of compelling heroes, Batman, Spider-Man and, and such that are, you know, brooding more often than not. And dealing with the, you know, I can't be happy, but it's so that other people can be happy. Um, I do have to say, fix it. Felix is very happy. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so there's some characters that are just dealing with like, well, I will take on all the unhappiness so that other people can be happy. And it's like this big you know, sacrificial complex um, and and they're suffering so that other people won't suffer. I mean, I, 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 think, I think there's I moments mean, of happiness. And I mean, every hero has to have a moment where they're like, yes, satisfaction for what I've done. But mm-hmm. if that's the way that Superman is being written right now, you know that the ball is about to drop. <laughs> right. Like, it's I not going to last. Like, right? He's still dealing with like he's still dealing with complexity and everything. But, you know, they're trying to say it's like, well, and, and I think I think that's how Superman should be. I think Superman should be generally um happy with how things are going because he's working hard at it and he's satisfied with the effort and things like that. But I mean, that's my personal take on Superman. Um, and, and I like seeing that kind of satisfaction. Um, I enjoy, like, I like reading Batman too. I enjoy the brooding just as much as anybody. Um, but I like having the diversity and emotion. And I think that's what everyone's actually seeking. Um, and I prefer to be able to see that in someone, in the course yeah. of the things I'm reading, if not in one character. So do you think it's easier um, to write a story where they are brooding and they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and they are self-sacrificing? Do you think that's... Yeah, because I think a lot of people feel that their true self is more in line with that. Um, and fewer, and, and a lot of people feel um, like they don't have it all figured out. They're, they're feeling like they're... Stuck in a job um, or suffering. Yeah, suffering or, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, heck, I, I have felt all those kinds of things and, and some level of depression. And, um, and I don't know why people feel like that's their true self. I mean, maybe because we don't have, um, a society where we talk about the emotions that we're feeling a lot or, or have a healthy use of, um, of emotional therapy to, to deal with all of this. And so, I mean, like, obviously we know that like depression is a big issue. It's, it's a thing that a lot of people are suffering with, and maybe not talking about and maybe not expressing and instead they pretend to be happy. And so when they're reading, you know, these these heroes who and characters who are suffering and put upon and dealing with all the stress, like, yeah, 
I feel you. <laughs> well, a little bit of relating with it. I think it's hard. Yeah. I think it's also hard um, in some ways. I mean, I guess it just depends on what type of a person you are, because sometimes fi- finding out who you truly are, like deep inside, can sometimes be very terrifying to people. And so the brooding and that is is become more and more socially like, I don't know. I don't know if cool is the right word, but like expected or expected or whatever. Um, And so if you are a person who is happy, sometimes people are just like, oh, well, you're fake and you're not genuine. Yeah, you're hiding hiding what's what's, what's actually you're you're a Facebook post of, oh, I love my husband. You, You know, you don't post that every time because, you know, there has to be something going on underneath. Um, you know, and people who genuinely are, you know, I mean, everyone's always going to be able to critique or are they going to judge you? Um, so I actually, we actually just replaced our bed. We, we had the same bed for like 12 years and we bought it. That's too long. Yeah, I, well, I know <laughs> I, I, we just haven't been able <laughs> just to afford it. Family friendly podcast. No, I know. And so we, <laughs> we bought a new mattress and it's awesome. Okay. And I never never dream like I very rarely will I remember my dream like ever and I've had this bed for two days and I've slept in it three times and I've had four dreams (laughs) (laughs) and I had two dreams last night because I woke up in the middle of the night like terrified because I had the what was that like this crazy weird like dream and then I went back to bed and I had another one and I and like this morning I woke up and I was just like, I was like freaking out because I was like, I don't like, I'm kind of getting a glimpse into like what's going on in my head right now through dreams, you know, like analyzing my dreams and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to be here right now. Like, you know, it's, it's, just, it's kind of weird. And I'm like, I'm kind of going through this mode right now where I'm just like, is this like, I, I need to do some introspection and stuff or, you know, just because it's been really like kind of eye-opening and shocking to me. And it's because I'm sleeping better. I'm getting into REM sleep. I'm, you know, actually relaxing. Um, you know, I don't wake up like aching at all, which is really weird, you know, of a, <laughs> of a, like a life of doing karate, you know, I'm just, my joints just getting, you know, forced to the max. Like the fact that I can wake up on my back isn't act like freaking out has been awesome. Um, but the turn, <laughs> the turn is, is like, I, I mean, I, I woke up this morning with Lena and I was like, I, I have a love hate relationship with this bed because I keep dreaming about <laughs> like just the weirdest stuff. And, you know, and it's not like weird. It's like personal, you know, stuff. And I'm just like, oh, and so I can get it. Why <laughs> people would not like, like would try to hide that. Like, I mean, they would try to bury that. Now I know that that's unhealthy and it's, you know, I, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm going to do that or one way or another. I'm just saying that like, I get it why people would be like, Hey, you know what? I just want to see the good. And then I, I can totally see the opposite side where it's like, you know, let's be true and real. And so, you know, Superman is fake and what's going to happen, you know, or whatever. Like I, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. That hit home when you started talking, I was like, Oh, (laughs) now, now that you mention it, I'm really, really curious what I'm dealing with. 
because I dreamed about swimming pool maintenance last night, like resurfacing a swimming pool. Maybe the next season of Runaways will cover the dreams of the characters and we'll get some <laughs> character study through dreams. Or, you know, Mad Hatter. <laughs> we could get a good Mad Hatter episode. There we go. I, I think that's the wrong publishing house, but may, maybe something like that. Uh, all right. Well, you know what? I think on this note, we're going to wrap things up here. We've talked about a lot of things with the Runaways and... A lot of things just kind of in society and storytelling in general, which I, you know, I, I got a lot more out of this conversation than I thought I was going to because I, while I enjoyed Runaways, I, okay, what, let's do this. Let's not wrap up quite yet. Let's give this a rating and I'm putting you guys on the spot here. So I'll go first. I'm going to say that this show had a seven out of 10 rating for me. It was enjoyable. I'll keep watching it. It was nothing that I was like, I have to watch the next episode. And to be honest, if I wasn't recording this podcast, I would have just kept pushing it off until because I've been busy. But I really did enjoy the storytelling inside of it. Uh, Nick, what would you rate this? All right. So when we were gearing up towards the end of the year and we kind of had that weird like break in the middle, like I expected us to do an episode of the best of like the best things that we did in 2017. We never did this episode because... Christmas and New Year's fell on the days we record. And so, like, it didn't happen. Yeah, it was terrible. And and um, and while I was, you know, contemplating and thinking about this stuff, because I fully expected it to be something that we did, um, I was prepared to put this on my number one show this year. Like, my really? number one, my number one, like, TV show that I've watched this year. And it's mainly because... I love the comic and I was able to see it on the screen. And this is the only show besides Doctor Who that I like couldn't wait for Tuesday. Now, I will admit that that was before the season ended. And so I think that teetered off a little bit with the resolution because I feel like the climax was not a climax at all. Like it was, this is not, not a rock solid season. Finale. Yeah. Like I, I very easily, like if they would have kind of gone more towards like what happened in the book and ended it like that, like I, I was expecting it to move further along than it did. It and felt so more with like that, maybe a mid season finale. Yeah. And that, and like literally that's really what it felt like to me too. And so that brings it down a tier. So that just kind of gives you like, like where I was at um, mm-hmm. even near the end, both me and Lena kind of teetered off on watching it on Tuesday because one, we had stuff that just kept happening. We were just busy, but then also it just didn't feel like it was actually going to end. Like, like <laughs> when it, like, you know, I was like, Oh, well there's, there's gotta be an episode there's next so week. much to wrap up before this. And then it was like, Oh, next that week. was episode 10. I thought there were 13, uh, you know, or like, uh, isn't there <laughs> supposed to be 12 episodes? Like they got three more episodes they need to, you know? So, um, I, I don't, you know, an eight just because eight, of the ending, okay. it probably would have been a nine or a nine five, but I just feel like that it kind of had a twilight ending. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. like where it was just okay. like building up to this huge thing and or like a end of Heroes season one ending where it's like, oh, save the trailer, you save the world. Nothing happens. OK, you know, like I just <laughs> so so there. Yeah, that's what I'll. So eight out of ten. All right, Andrew, as our guest, we are going to give you the last word on this. I'm 
I'm leaning towards an eight too. I think I enjoyed it a little more than Brandon. Um, I initially, I, I started watching it. I got sick and I had to take a day off of work. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just binge like the first three episodes then. It's It's been out and I wasn't sure I was going to like watch it. And then I, I got into it. And then at the end, it was it, like it was a week um, last episode in particular. And there were some things just throughout that was like, OK, it's fine. And overall, I think it was a little slow, but I also overall enjoyed a lot of it quite a lot. And I kind of want to see where it's going in season two but if it doesn't pick up the pace within like the first three episodes of season two i might lose interest so you know it's it's not the greatest show ever but i i enjoyed it so i think i think eight is a solid ranking for me okay all right well thank you very much uh thanks for all of your comments on this andrew this was this was a really good discussion on the runaways and like i said like nick nick really liked the i didn't uh get hooked by it but i still enjoyed it and so i I was glad Mm -hmm. to have somebody else who really enjoyed it so all right uh wrapping this show up we are doing another funko pop giveaway on valentine's day for our patrons so go ahead and sign up over at patreon.com slash fandom podcast pledge a dollar a month and you will be entered to win that just a quick note on why we're using patreon you know we've been talking about it a lot it's not because we ever think we're going to become millionaire podcasters That, that that would be nice but uh, when I'm not living in the fandomverse, I am living in a place called reality. And so Patreon is mostly a way for us to be in touch with the people who really listen and they and who really care. Uh, by signing up to be a patron, you're just signaling to us that you really care about this and you're giving us a good way to know who that is. You know, you could go on and, you know, like us on Facebook, but those can be those can be fake. You can. You can leave a podcast review, but you could do that without even listening. Uh, you can manipulate all sorts of Twitter and social media. Just ask just ask the Russians. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. Geez. Sorry. Side note. Uh, but when we see you guys put your support behind us, and it's really kind of inspiring to us to help and lets us know to just keep on going. And then it gives us a really good way to interact with you. If you're listening to this and, you ha- and you've and you been thinking about pledging, but you haven't and you're not quite sure that you want to, reach out to us. Just send us some messages. Uh, you can ask a question to us, fandom-related or not. We had a lot of fun on our 150th episode, and we got a lot of good feedback on that. Uh, but we're over on Facebook, facebook.com slash fandompodcast. We're at fandomcast on Twitter, and our email is feedback at fandompodcast.com. If you want to help support the show, the primary ways are Patreon. And then using our affiliate links, which are either on the website or in our show notes. Andrew, uh, if people wanted to follow you and find all of the work that you do, because you're involved in a couple podcasts and you guest on a ton of them, how would people find you and know what you're doing? <laughs> Primary right now is the protagonist podcast. I am producer Andrew over there. Uh, also, you can look up Disney Animation Minute Essentials. Uh, my wife and I are going through Disney animated films one minute at a time. Uh, you can also check out moviesbyminutes.com. You'll find uh, a, a big catalog of all the Movies by Minutes podcasts, and I have been a guest on a number of them. So until next time, for might, for right, we are Triple Dragons. dragons. May the fandom be with you. <laughs> a dragon, a dragon. I thought I saw a dragon. No? Hey. <laughs>
<laughs> Bro, <them. laughs> yes, you have. Um, also, if Disney you had a minute window- in the house. <laughs> at Disney, Dro- at, drop at drop Disney us on Twitter. Drop 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 yes, us a beat at, right at now. Disney. Drop us a line. Are you a hip hop hopotamus uh, and your lyrics are bottomless? From the Disney. No. That's your rap, <laughs> rapper name, right? Disney. <laughs> at Disney on Twitter. All right. Okay, thank you. I don't know what that has to do with anything going on in my psyche. Yeah. There's actually some pretty like interesting research that people have done into dreams. Um that that is kind of entertaining. Like Lena has a, a couple books and stuff and and I might need to do a Google search dreaming about resurfacing a swimming pool. Well, and I know that like just just to see I know that, that like, might be working, a thing. Like working on something definitely has like connotations and then if it has something to do with like water or something like personal like if you used to swim or like you were a swimmer in high school or something like that like that might have some sort of or maybe it's because it's a deep you know, pit and exactly uh, pits are actually a thing too no like <laughs> if you dream about that like that there's actually like representation of what like well, but it was an above ground pool oh. Oh, see, I, yes. I was thinking and you were you resurfacing were like and abrupt, above ground pool. Aren't those the ones that are like pla- plastic and you just like put in <laughs> poles? Yeah, I don't know. So, it was, it's it's it like that weird. episode of Batman where things just don't make sense. So, well, and I, <laughs> I mean, I dreamed dream about world. work and then I dreamed that like me and Lena went on a cruise. Like it was weird. Like I, I dream about some weird <laughs> stuff. Like, <laughs> All right. All right. So.